Oh crap. There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see. Hey, a movie. Yeah, we're gonna be a movie. Starring everybody and me. There'll be heroes bold, there'll be comedy, and a lot of plus that ends for us real happily. Hey, a movie. We can watch it all develop. Starring everybody and me. We'll take the world. And we are going to start right here. Hello and welcome to a Rattledgen Broadcasting premiere podcast triple feature. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And tonight on the marquee is The Adam Project, brought to you by Netflix, starring Ryan Reynolds, Jennifer Garner, and Mark Ruffalo, and Zoe Saldana. It was directed by Sean Levy, a frequent collaborator with the young and handsome and swarthing Ryan Reynolds. Also on the marquee tonight is Fresh from Hulu, which premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. It came out uh, on March 4th. It stars Sebastian Stan. You know him. He's the Winter Soldier. And Daisy Edgar Jones. It was directed by Mimi Cave, who doesn't have a Wikipedia page. And finally, <laughs> and finally, because we needed a third film, No Exit, directed by Damien Power, starring a bunch of people you've never heard of, except for Dennis Haysbert. Uh, more on that in a moment. Joining me tonight is the triple feature man himself, the triple threat, the protocol son, Jason Teasley, how do you do, sir? Doing good, man. Doing good. Um, not so angry on these these film choices, <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll get into that. We have one. We have the good, the bad, the ugly uh, that we're going to be reviewing tonight. But glad to be here and uh, back back after a, a wow a um, February full of Jason. Yeah. Uh, so I'm back after about a month. Yeah, I was going to say, like, we, we went there hot and heavy there throughout the month of February. And then it was like, all right, well, what am I doing in March? Nothing. That's what you're doing. So, yeah. Nothing yeah. till the end of March. <laughs> Rest up. Slow. You and you and Alexis were both like, what the hell, man? What did we do? And I'm like, meh. Just worked out. I wasn't like, what did I do? I was like, <laughs> what? Like, I, I went through this, like, tirade of, <laughs> of black history. And then it's like, <laughs> I get to breathe. It's like, I'm checking my calendar. I'm like... Wow, I don't have a movie to review this weekend. <laughs> I can I can watch something else. That's how I feel sometimes. Like there are weeks where like I have much more with television shows because there's, there's such a long binge. You know, like like okay, I've watched this, I've watched this, what's this? And I go to the like there's no TV this week. Like I long for the weeks that I do boxing with Pat or something because like, oh finally I get a break. Yes. You know, one or two movies to watch, mostly something I'll have watched already on the weekend because I went to the movies to see it, like a like Batman or something. And then it's like, oh my god. I actually can do other things this week. It's 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 freedom. Yeah, right. I have I have some. I'm not tied to a TV this week. It's <laughs> yeah. great. I love the freedom. Yep. Sometimes I just like to walk into my front yard and look up at the sky and go, blue. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm not in front of a screen. All right, let's get into no, not a lot of table setting here. These are just three new movies available on streaming services. This is the world we live in now. 
stuff will stuff will debut in film festivals or whatever they'll, they'll get bought by a streamer and then they'll air for public consumption and just skip the movie theaters entirely as far as wide releases go so uh first up is the major release um which came out March 11th, right before I went on vacation. So we're just now catching up with this. This is, again, The Atom Project. Um, the Atom Project is a American science fiction adventure film directed by the aforementioned Sean Levy, with a screenplay written by Jonathan Troper, T.S. Nowlin, Jennifer Flackett, and Mark Levin. It stars Ryan Reynolds, Walter Scoble, Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Garner, Catherine Keener, and Zoe Saldana. The plot follows a pilot from the future who goes back in time and encounters his younger self. Uh, production first began in the film in 2012 with Tom Cruise attached. The film then fell into a development hell until Netflix acquired the distribution rights. Filming commenced in November 2020, wrapped in March of 2021, and it was released, as we said, March 11th, and it has received mixed reviews from critics. So uh, I pitched this to you. I said, hey, I want to do uh, a triple feature where we catch up on a whole bunch of movies that have come out on, directly on streaming services anchored by the Adam project because I knew it was going to be like the big release of that particular week one of the big releases uh did you know anything about it when I pitched it um, hold on hold on we we really know how you pitched this to me Jason <laughs> I have a movie okay it's got Ryan Reynolds okay I'm in with now pants <laughs> I, I you say Ryan Reynolds I, I I my pants come off and I and lotion is absorbed well, you know what's funny? You know why this isn't a damn you Hollywood? Because of the exact opposite reason. Like, I knew I wanted to do this, and I and this very easily could have been a damn you Hollywood split with something else. But I, I didn't want to go through that with Robert Winfrey, who fucking hates Ryan Reynolds. And I'm like, forget it. I'm gonna find I'm gonna find someone else, and I'll just it'll do this triple feature because I, I just didn't want to put us both through that. So yeah, yeah. I said like, hey, I got a Ryan Reynolds movie, and he was like, whatever else we're doing, I'm in. So I'm like, hot yeah. dog. Pants off, Jergens acquired. I'm in. <laughs> I don't care um, about the other three movies. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's get into this then. Uh, here's the plot of this thing. In a dystopian 2050, fighter pilot Adam Reed steals his time jet and escapes through time on a rescue mission to 2018. However, he accidentally crash lands in 2022 like you do. Instead, where he meets his 12-year-old self who is struggling with the recent death of their father, Lewis, in a car accident. Adam reluctantly enlists his younger self to help him repair the jet and reveals that he is looking for his wife, Laura, who was supposedly killed in a crash on a mission in 2018. Uh, Adam is being chased by Maya Sorian, the leader of the dystopian world, and her lieutenant, Christos, who attempt to apprehend Adam and take him back to 2050. The Adams are rescued and she was trans. Laura had learned and also the past in order to give herself control of time travel and the future. Laura urges Adam to travel back to 2018 and destroy time travel, which was created by his father, Lewis, in order to set things right and save the future. Sorian attacks, and Laura sacrifices herself so the two Adams can escape. Chased by Sorian with only enough power left for one time jump, Adam and his younger self jump back to 2018. In 2018, the two Adams attempt to enlist Lewis's help, but he refuses out of concern for scientific impact on the time stream. The younger Adam confronts his future self about his bitterness and anger and realizes that the source of it is lingering pain over his father's death. As the two launch an attack to destroy Lewis's particle accelerator, Lewis changes his mind and joins the mission, having them instead retrieve the hard drive containing the only copy of his algorithm that enables time travel. A battle erupts between the Adamses, Lewis, Sorian, and the younger self, Saurian soldiers and Christos resulting in a particle accelerator overload. 
Sorian attempts to shoot Lewis with an armor-piercing bullet, but the magnetic field of the accelerator instead diverts the round, causing it to kill the younger Sorian, erasing the future Sorian from existence as the reeds flee. When time travel, with time travel destroyed and the future set right, Lewis chooses not to learn of his own fate and enjoys a game of catch with both versions of his sons before the Adamses are returned to their own times. In 2022, Adam lets go of his bitterness and anger and reconciles with his mother, with whom he has been distant over since uh, Lewis's death. Years later, a much happier adult Adam meets Laura for the first time in a situation mirroring their first meeting in the original timeline. All right, what'd you think of this one? Uh, well, as the start of the Marvel MCU, uh, I really like this because now we know what really happened when Captain America returned the Time Stones. This is one of the timelines. We had Professor Hawk. We had mm -hmm. Deadpool. We have, what, Gamora? Yep. It, it all works out. The MCU, this is one of the, the timelines from the MCU. I figured it out. I was happy. No, but when you made that on. comment in the chat and I gave you the rolling eye emoji, I was I didn't understand a word of what you were like. Like we have to we have to like put, do that one last because it's like the main event, you know, and it's the start of the MCU. And I'm like, I don't have time for you. No. <laughs> now at least I get your joke. Yeah, because you have Professor Hawk, you have Deadpool, mm -hmm. you have Gamora. Got it. Um, so this is the start. This is one of the divergent timelines uh, that Captain America set set free. But I really like this. Uh, it was like you got Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds, um, which is was, always he was so much less Ryan Reynoldsy. Like, like here he was composed and not he wasn't like he was in Red Notice, where it was the Ryan Reynolds show. This reminded me of when Ryan Reynolds first got his start on Two Guys a Girl on a Pizza Place. Okay. Um, the the smart ass kind of kind of quick witted you know attractive guy that has a has a heart of gold. This reminded me of a lot of that um, yeah. because he he wasn't over the top. He was just like it was like they said, Ryan, be yourself. Just be your be yourself. Yeah, and and you and, be you, but less of a douchebag. Well, no, like in in real life, like he's. From everything that I've seen, like in in his actual personal life, mm -hmm. he is like really humble. He's really he's really quick witted and okay. fucks with his friends, but I, he's I, not I, like the over the top. Yeah, I'm not commenting on him as a person. I'm saying he comes off as a douchebag in a lot of his movies. Yeah. Well, Again, I'm going I mean, with Red Notice being just sorry. I still have a bad taste in my mouth from Red Notice. Okay, I still haven't seen it, and I don't plan on seeing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. Uh, the I think the kid in this, the younger Adam. I'm I was on. convinced that really was Ryan Reynolds. I really was like I thought they had just gotten like his genetic code and just cloned him. Like, yes, because he is like he's got the he's got the cadence in the voice, mm -hmm. the mannerisms down, and it's it was really I was really happy with it. But I will say this: I got a really heart touching moment because you know you have that really sad moment where you know they go back he finds his wife um and she dies and you're like you know this is what but then you get that like real good feel good moment at the end knowing that they were destined to be together and it yeah. kind of gives you that destiny feel mm -hmm. i really like that and it really made me feel good and it was a good good ending i think mark ruffalo played a a really good version of like just the the dad mm-hmm 
like he was just like a dad like like you or me if we did it they did a movie on us this you know he made the dad jokes he was really you know not really uh, invested in having anything like he knew what was best for anything even though that you know they was telling him no you're wrong no i don't care i'm the adult just listen to me let me jump in here real quick um because there's nothing else i want to make sure i say this much I, re- I like the movie too i don't have a tremendous amount of complaints about it um but where i had i had a moment in the movie based on one of the scenes <clears throat> where as i told somebody earlier i didn't exactly coco ugly cry to where my face hurt and i had a headache and i really like couldn't leave the theater um it wasn't that bad but i definitely had a moment during um mark ruffalo's you know like he's because i've been there i have i have 100 been that dad who's watching his kid play video games and thinking did i mess up did i do something wrong that the kid isn't out playing that he's not being his best self that he's just playing the stupid video game and then questioning your own self-worth not just as a person but as a father because i've done that too and when he said i don't feel like i'm enough i I don't feel like i'm doing enough for this family (laughs) that killed me because i've asked myself that very same question a lot and i think he did a really great job of emoting in that scene and really you know, playing with the inner conflict of you think you're doing the right thing, but you don't know and you're not seeing the result you think you would in your family. And it just nobody gives you an instruction booklet on how to be a father and a dad, a father and a husband. And you and sometimes you find yourself in a situation where um, you're not meeting the needs of your family. You didn't know you weren't it wasn't like you did it out on purpose. You just landed there um, and he's sitting there and he's like really wrestling with it. And I fucking lost it just i didn't have to stop the movie but i was definitely i was like working while i was watching it yeah and, um i was working on web pages and i'm i had to stop and i'm looking at it and i'm watching him do that monologue and i'm just kind of you know when you cry and you kind of shake while you're crying yeah kind of and, yeah, and-, and it's such a goofy movie you know what i mean like there's really some really fun creative fight scenes in there and ryan reynolds is a goofball and then you have this moment that completely breaks the comedic and action tension and gives you this really heartfelt relatable parent moment and i'm like ah (laughs) like there's just such such tonal whiplash let me say this one last thing and then i'll I'll pitch it to you jennifer garner saying to him you're not as present maybe as you should be and that kind of sucks but we get it because you have to be present for this other really important thing that's also very important to you. And when you're here, you're awesome. You're just not here as much as we'd like you to be. That's where I was like, <laughs> because I'm the guy who podcasts seven days a week, you know? Yeah. And, and as, as a father myself, you know, I, I've got a teenage daughter and, you know, I'm trying to shape her into the best human that she could be. But there's times that I'm not present. I, I work a lot. I, mm-hmm. you know, for my own sanity, you know, we don't get to hang out like we used to when she was younger. You know, she's got a mind of her own. She's got her own personality. And sometimes we don't mesh. And, you know, there's times that I've just 
I'm running errands and I, and I cut that's how it comes across my mind. Do I, do I need to be more present? Do I need, what am I doing wrong? It's that, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you go to work and you you have things, you know, you have taxes to work on and bills to pay and stuff to fix and phone calls to make. And you think you're doing all of those things to take care of your family. And then when you hear back, gosh, I wish you were around more. What the fuck am I supposed to do? (laughs) Yeah. It it was not work. Well, and this, and it hits me kind of in a different mm-hmm. way because I grew up, my, my biological father passed away when I was three. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom, my mom was very present in all of my athletic events. She worked two jobs. She worked herself into, I mean, in all honesty, she worked herself into an early grave. Mm-hmm. Um, and she didn't take care of herself because she was too worried about taking care of others. And, I look back at that and I'm like, you know, I see all the sacrifices my mom did, you know, working night shifts just so she could go to a ball game of mine the next evening, um, you know, working like 70 hours a week, you mm. know, to have one day off to, to be in a ball game for me and her just being absolutely exhausted at that game where she's physically present, but she's mentally checked out. Yeah. And I don't, I, and I try to fight that urge because I want, I want me and Kenzie to make memories together, but I I want to be present for those memories. I don't want to be be mentally absent. I guess you yeah. could say. So I work. Um, I, I work. I do shift work. I work twelve hours, two days, then off two days, and then every other weekend. And like the weekends that I'm gone, I maybe see my kids for a few minutes. But, you know, then that's it. Then it's bedtime. And, you know, and then, so like I'll go three and four days sometimes and we'll have collectively seen my children for maybe an hour if I'm lucky over the course of three to four days. But besides yeah. that, like even on the weekends when I am home, like, sure, we go out. I take them to the movies like we're going to go see Morbius on Friday whenever you're listening to this. Whenever Morbius comes out, we're taking them. We took them to see the Batman. And we, you know, when we go to the bookstore and I take them to dinner and, you know, I, I was showing people on in a chat today pictures of all the concerts we went to last year and there's me and my kids and me and my kids and me and my kids you know it's so funny if you ever have to if you're ever in a situation where you need pictures of just you and you you, you see what kind of person you are when you realize you have none every single picture is you and your kids or your kids you yeah know? that's and that's so some, I, I i'm as present as i work. can be and i'm doing things with them but then there are weekends where it's like, I want to watch Homicide Life on the Street. And then my daughter wants to watch anime. And my son wants to play video games or watch YouTube. And you think to yourself, like, shouldn't I be doing stuff with them? But I'm exhausted. <laughs> and I kind of not want to just do stuff for myself. And just, you think you have the balance, right? You think everyone's happy. And then sometimes you find out maybe things could have been better. And... I, and I think that's why that scene resonated with me because you could see Mark Ruffalo in his performance struggling with the guilt of it all because you want to yeah. be the best dad and husband you can be. And then you find out through no real fault of your own, there's no malicious intent. It's just you're just living life to the best of your ability. And you find out you're not. It's fucking crushing, man. Yeah. And, you know, and the, the part that I feel is I want to make – I know the struggles I had as a child and mm-hmm. I don't want my daughter to go through them. So I'm willing to sacrifice and work myself to death. So she doesn't struggle, but in the same aspect, you know, 
being present at work is absent from her life. And maybe, you know, you fight that struggle of, you know, yeah, she doesn't have to struggle, but they're, they're, the parental role, you know, do I really have to work? Or, you know, can me and her just go take take a drive with the top off my Jeep? Okay. You know, you, you try to fight that balance, and it's and it's hard. It's, it, and, it's not just kids, because Jennifer Garner yeah. talked about not being there for your, for your spouse, too. And, like, we're here, right? We're not with our wives right now. Look at all the people like doing live stream, just just focusing yeah. on the podcast and live stream world. You know, I, I was my wife was telling me about a friend that she met who um, his wife would play World of Warcraft for hours, things like that. Like we're all doing stuff to try to fill up our glasses and, you know, and, and fill our and fill our tanks or whatever. And sometimes we think the balance is OK, but the balance isn't. But the balance isn't. And, and that's hard because, again, I like doing this. Like, I like spending the hour or two where we talk discussing films or boxing or wrestling or whatever. But that's that's time away from our other loved ones. And yeah. like, what are you supposed to like? I, I, it's funny. Like, what are you supposed to do? Not have hobbies, not have interests. So I, I go back to the Mark Ruffalo I'm trying to re relate this to the film and stay on that. You know, clearly this particle accelerator that he was working on was very important to him. He talks about it through the through the middle act. He talks about that a lot, about how this is game-changing in the world, this is important, and he takes it very, very seriously. Like, I was thinking about Indiana Jones, you know, in the in the, uh, the, last, the Last Crusade, about how distant the Sean Connery character was, you know, Indiana Jones' father. He was doing important work, and, you know, and was he neglectful of his son? Sure. Was that good? No. But we what are you supposed to do not do the important things not do the things that bring you joy as well and there, i don't know what the answer is and i think to to the degree that the adam project this goofy sci-fi movie with ryan reynolds america's dumbest hunk you know <laughs> <laughs> what is it god's favorite idiot i think is, is the phrase yeah. um spends a little bit of time to talk about that you know and then and then there's the grief issues, which I think you were starting to dig into. You know, the father d dies. Um, Spoiler. Actually, yeah, he gets <laughs> killed. But, you know, the grief that that causes, the anger, the frustration, the distance it causes between the mother and son, how that, how the loss of that loved one affects the mom and then how in turn she relates to the child and and all of that. Like, it's so funny because the, for me, the Adam Project, I think, I think the Adam Project is good. Um, I'm sure if I thought about it long and hard enough, I could come up with some craft things that were a little iffy on it. I know it got mixed reviews from the critics, but I think it was a solid B average movie with these really emotionally resonant parts to it in between the really stylized and goofy action stuff. Yeah, I think it had a really good balance to the movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it was like ham-handed one way or other. And there's a line in it that you know, kind of resonated with me is because I think it's the, the younger Adam says, you know, they're talking about it and he says, yeah, that's his favorite son. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because he's spending so time, but then you look at it from the dad's perspective is why he's doing this is because he wants to leave a legacy and they make the comment. He makes the comment in the, the um, lecture he's given when they go back, he goes, you know, when we're dead, our work is our legacy. Yeah. And, you know, he said, our, our children are going to carry on our legacy. So what he's looking at as 
his life's work is going to be passed on to his son to inherit and continue and grow and build. And that's going to be his legacy to his son rather than the time with his son's going to be the legacy. And that's, and that's what, what resonated with me uh, a lot. Now, was there some issues? Yes. It wasn't a perfect movie. Was it a movie that I enjoyed? Absolutely. Yeah. I really, really liked the movie. Um, just some craft stuff. Just so people like they like I heard him do the review. I'm glad that I'm glad it meant something to him, but they didn't really tell me what the movie, you know, how good the movie is. Ryan, like I said, Ryan Reynolds is restrained and composed, and he's still a little goofy and a little snarky, but he's like I said before, he's not as bad as he was in like Red Notice or Deadpool or something. Like he even if you don't like like this was more free guy than it was Deadpool in terms of like keeping Ryan Reynolds you know, on, on the path and not letting him just go full Reynolds. The kid is fantastic. The, yes. the kid, I, I have said before, when you, when you, the main star is your kid, it's not really Ryan Reynolds. It's the, the kid is the main star. Though Ryan Reynolds gets top billing because he's fucking Ryan Reynolds. But um, if the kid doesn't work, the whole thing kind of falls apart. And the kid is so good that it actually elevates the movie. Like he, like there are some some kid actors, and he's like, eh, it's passable, but they're not they're not great. Yeah. Like he's really good in this. Yeah, this kid's got a bright future if mm-hmm. he stays stays in film the film industry. Sure. He's got a bright because it wasn't just it was his line delivery. It was how he mm-hmm. emoted with body language, how he conveyed just you know the presence he had, and that's really weird talking about a twelve year old having a screen presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but yeah, and the and what got me, what sold me the most on him is the end, is when he's walking away, and he just stops in his tracks, and you just see the the look on his face, like I, I she needs me, and he turns and he runs over and gives his mom a hug, and it's just in that brief two minute section. This kid sold me on yeah. on him because you could see that it was like he was giving his own mother a hug that, you know, and you just seen there was a feeling of genuine emotion in that. Mm-hmm. Now, Jennifer Gardner, what little she was in the movie, she was okay because she wasn't a focal point. And I think that she works really good when she's not a focal point of the movie. I think she's a great supporting actress. Yeah. That that is amazing, but I think when the spotlight is specifically on her, mm-hmm. I think a lot of her movies fall apart because it's not that she's bad, it's I don't feel that she can carry movies on her own unless she has an, a stellar cast around her. I liked Mark Ruffalo in this. I think yes. his performance is what was called for. I think there was good directing there by uh, Sean Levy. You know, like, we want you... There is definitely, especially in the last couple of years, as we see so many, like, really smart science people portrayed on screen. And I know everyone's, like, default thing is the Big Bang Theory, and then the re-default is, oh, my God, it makes fun of nerd culture. Yeah. But, I mean, if you know smart people, you... And you really sit down and talk to them. They are awkward, you know. They, yes, they, they, there is a lacking in many times of uh, social grace, emotional intelligence, etc. It's probably what leads to a lot of the um, the distance that they have with family, that sort of thing. 
and I think Mark Ruffalo did it well. My own complaint about Mark Ruffalo is I feel like that's his character now in every movie. Like, like, yeah, I, I, I don't feel like this was a, a big stretch for him. Like it was a it was a fine enough spot on performance. And I don't mean to complain, but I'm watching this going, oh, wow, they knew exactly what they wanted here and got the guy that does just that. You know? It's it's like the, Mark Ruffalo wandered onto the set. and They was like, hey, we need you to play a dad. OK, yeah, <laughs> we need you to be Bruce Banner from the Avengers. But you have a kid. Okay, yeah. OK, sure. I, I, Scott, I was watching um, Age of Ultron recently, and I always laugh because the Bruce Banner in the comic is so much more like stoic, and he's super genius, and he's very, yeah. very pointed and sharp. And like Mark Ruffalo plays Bruce Banner, like he's half an idiot, and so he's like, "What Wakanda? What, what is this? I, Wakanda? What's Wakanda? You moron!" <laughs> you know, I'm watching that. I'm like, why do they play? Why does he play Bruce Banner? Like kind of like a gypsy jazz hippie. <laughs> like, hey, you know, I'm trying to be the Hulk over here and shit. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> be smart. Anyway, um, but yeah, that was, I think it's like, I'm going to just address it because I know, I'm sure this, somebody else, like the Adam Project is a wholly new thing and it's not an IP that somebody could get bent out of shape for because they gave agency to the female and not the male lead. Eh. Um, but this was yet another one where, you know, Ryan Reynolds, one minute he's super cop and he's able to beat up everybody and it's fine. But when they needed him to lose the fight so that Zoe Saldana could save his bacon, oh, suddenly, <laughs> you know, and I, I watched that and I was like, all right, I, I think they needed, they wanted Zoe Saldana. Zoe, that's a thing Zoe Saldana does. She's an action heroine. Um, and she came in the scenes, and she was action girl. And for those scenes, Ryan Reynolds had to be less action guy. It's kind of an eye roll, but I'm not yeah. going to sit there and shit on the film for it. I, they needed to give her something to do. She did it, and then they killed her. Yeah, Huzzah. she 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 came in, served a purpose, exit yeah. stage left. Yep. Um. So I think some people would, you know, if the critical drinker was here, I'm sure he'd be like, "Oh, sure, he had another perfect female." Eh, they shot her with a plane. I'll I'll, I'll allow it. Well, at um, least she went out. She went out on a grand stage. I mean, you know, mm, it took a plane to kill her. Yeah, sure. I'm surprised they didn't drop a nuke from orbit just to be sure. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, Captain Marvel <laughs> just punched her off screen. Yeah. Into <laughs> ah! your sequel, bitch. Um. <laughs> anyway, so I think we've got it. Um. I would recommend the Adam Project. Uh, I, it, you know, it's a, <clears throat> a, there's a lot of Netflix movies out there. Um, this one, this one's, you know, a fun one to watch on a Saturday night. You know, for you people who don't like to go out and go to the movies, perfectly nice, wonderful, entertaining film. I think it's a pretty, fairly short watch. Uh, yeah, 106 yeah. minutes. I mean, we've been complaining a, a lot lately about like the length of movies and it kind of oh. being ruined. This one was just about perfect. Yeah, it hit that sweet spot of. It didn't go too long to lose your interest, and it didn't right. have a lot of filler. Everything was pretty much streamlined. Yeah, it moves. It moves trans, briskly, trans but not. So, it moves briskly, but not so briskly. It feels like it's just glossing over things. Right. You know, you, you when it needed to pause and develop, it did. When it needed mm -hmm. to just kind of gloss over stuff, it did. It, it didn't linger on things for too long. So I think this was like, like I said, one of the sweet spots. I would agree. Well, folks, I'll tell you, um, the writing on this was pretty spot on, but maybe it could have been better. And do you know Jason Teasley? 
what could have made the writing better, what could have helped the writers in the writer's room improve the script upon editing? Would that be Grammarly? It would. It would, Jason Teasley. It would be Grammarly of the second issue of podcast. Uh, for you listeners of Triple Feature, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, spelling mistakes, but also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. Our next feature is fresh so fresh and so clean jason teasley uh the other marvel divergent <laughs> yes <laughs> the other marvel timeline uh fresh is a 2022 american comedy thriller see i was gonna go with horror movie but sure Directed... i don't get the, i don't know where the comedy came in <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm not sure why this is funny uh directed yeah. by because cannibalism huzzah um yeah. directed by mimi cave in her directorial debut from a screenplay by Lauren Kahn. It stars Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan. The film is a co-production between Legendary, who make the Godzilla films in Dune, uh, and Hyper Object Industries. Adam McKay of Don't Look Up produced the film alongside Kevin J. Messick and Maiv Cullinane. The plot follows a young woman who starts to date a charming man. So charming. Only to discover his horrifying true nature. The film premiered at Sundance Film Festival in January 20th, 2022, and was released on March 24th, 2022 on Hulu by Searchlight Pictures, which is their little indie production. It received generally positive reviews from critics because, of course, it did. Um, so, <laughs> I need to ask, did you know what this was when I pitched it? I didn't. Uh, the trailer kind of... This was one of those movies that I really liked the trailer. Because the trailer didn't give everything away, it, mm -hmm. it 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 took you down a direction of like maybe a stalkerish boyfriend, mm -hmm. and then you watch the movie and it's like, oh no, this is I I don't know what the hell I was in for. Mm -hmm. This this trailer did a really good job of a misdirect, and you don't get that now. A lot of trailers now ruin movies. Um, right. We we talk about this. In our uh, on our side chats quite often is mm. this was not a movie and this was actually a replacement movie because we had another movie in here uh, I think this was maybe Black Phone no, uh, no 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 this was always what it was but Black Phone we were supposed to do and that got booted to the end of the year no this Fresh was a replacement Mark I remember this Fine. because it, it wasn't for Black Phone though Black Phone was an was a no I release. Yeah, but anyway, um, but because you pitched for this, you said it has Bucky, Bucky Barnes in it. Okay, pants <laughs> came off. I'm all in. <laughs> um, so, so we have the Winter Soldier, and like I said, it, it Sebastian Stan plays a really good creepy guy. He does. And it, 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 it's like he oscillates between creepy and charming in a very yeah, weird way. Like I, I compared this. Me and Amber was talking about this. I compared this to. Um, the portrayal of Patrick Bateman okay. um, because he's a charming, but he's fucking psycho. <laughs> um, and this, and you see this and you see how stuff plays out and you're like, okay, <laughs> this, this is a, this is a stretch for him. I, I like this because he is out of the, because a lot of actors, when they get in the Marvel movies, they get pigeonholed. Yeah. 
this showed that he has range that he does he's not always going to be bucky well i mean look at some of the more recent projects sebastian stan has done because yes he's known for being the winter soldier but he was in a showtime to he was in a showtime series at least very briefly called i'm dying up here where he played a comedian that made it to the tonight show and then and then promptly kills himself he's done that um he's in pam and tommy as tommy lee which is phenomenal by the way and we'll be reviewing shortly um actually got to finish watching that this week uh he's done a bunch of different things and what you you know i i think for people who only watch event pictures and you know the big ip and they don't get to see what these actors are doing outside of that what you're missing is these actors taking on projects where they really get to stretch their acting chops. Like you don't necessarily get to see a lot of actors do their, put their best foot forward in the big budget blockbusters. So they do these little Sundance films, or, you know, they, they do these independent projects, um, you know, this, these smaller boutique films where they got to get to stretch their acting muscles. And, you, and it turns out he's phenomenal. Like he's really, really good in this. Yeah, Moonshot was what we were supposed to be doing in, in place. That's it, yes, uh, yes. Yeah, we was doing Moonshot, and Moonshot got moved, and you pitched me. You said, Bucky Barnes, Bucky Barnes and, and Ryan Reynolds, clear your, remove your pants, Jason, grab the yeah. Jurgens, and have well, a good weekend. I'd also heard, like, this was getting buzz. So, you know, kind of like with the Cheaper by the, the Dozen story uh, review oh, that we God. did, where it was like, none of us really wanted to do this, but... It's getting some buzz. People are talking about it. So just trying to be part of the conversation, you know, whatever, whatever gets us listens these days. Now I did hate this movie. Um, jazz hands. Um, I did hate this movie. Uh, I went in thinking one thing. Uh, it took a left turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, dude. It took a left turn at Albuquerque. And I was like, okay, what the fuck am I signed up for? So I was talking to, I, I was talking to a friend that I'm like, and I watched three movies today. I'm just going to tell you about one of them, but I don't want to tell you too much because if you, here's the thing. I ruin all the movies on these podcasts. <laughs> I'm giving you fair warning. Spoilers. And I generally don't even bother to do that much. I figure if you haven't figured out that we're going to talk about the movie and reveal the plot, <laughs> that's on you. But I really have to make a point of saying this. why I cut you off. And I, and I apologize for that. I'm going to let you finish. But I have to tell people, we're going to spoil the movie for you. If and if you don't know what the big twist is, it's not going to have quite as much impact. So either come back, like stop the stop the tape, go watch the movie and come back. Or if you've already seen it, you're fine. And if you don't want to see it, fine. But I'm telling you right now, like if you haven't and you just like to what listen to us talk, you're like I'll watch it later. No, 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 no. For fresh, you really yeah. need to like not listen to us talk about this movie for a minute. Go watch it. Come back. Okay, go. Yeah. Three, two, one. Okay, spoilers are clear. Yeah, this <laughs> movie, when you find out that it's about cannibalism. <laughs> um, yeah, like, it, like uh, it's like, I, you read the thing through it. I got to, uh, I don't have IMDb up, but it's like, oh, it's about the horrors of dating. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, horrible, it's, all right. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible losing a fucking leg and being sent to fucking... People I, via Hello I carved off your ass and sent it to a guy in Milwaukee. You know what? If if we had a Hello Fresh ad, this would have been perfect because that's what it looks like. <laughs> it looks like it looks like he fucking he signed up for Hello. He's he's a Hello Fresh chef. Yeah, and he's shipping and he's shipping ingredients out because like he's he sure. stores them up. 
he, a little bit of Eric, rump roast and a, a little bit of rump roast and cell phone bra and panties. Yeah, and it's like the fuck, dude, Bucky, <laughs> Bucky, what's wrong with you? Did you? What? But why, somebody get, Bucky? Did, did did Zemo get the notebook back? What the fuck? <laughs> um, yeah, and so I I I got to read the plot so we can stick to the structure here. But I om- and I almost tweeted this out. I was in a group chat talking about like, kind of in and out. A lot of people today have been talking about the Will Smith Chris Rock thing. I do not care about that. But like intermittent with that chat and to kind of break up, it was starting to get a little hostile. And I and I was like, hey, there's other shit happening in the world. Look, I watched these three fun movies. I, I should tell you about them. And it's so funny because the movie goes and it goes and it goes. And then at about the 30 minute mark, about where the reveal of what this movie really is happens is when they rolled the credits, Jason. Did you notice that? It was 30 minutes yes. when they rolled the opening credits. Yes. The whole first act had passed. Yeah, because it does it the the credits pop up the when he when he drugs her at the house. Right. And you're like because I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, I didn't see any opening credits. I, I and then it just like bam blow, blow. I was like, oh, okay, we're <laughs> let's set in, strap in, let's go. Hey, remember you thought you were watching Sleepless in Seattle? Nope, saw motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, and that's what it's like. It's like. Because he is just, he's so compelling. Like, and, and the, the first date that she goes on, uh, maybe that's what they thought of the comedy because he was a douchebag. Oh, like, I'm sorry, how on the nose was that? It was like, yeah. like, I'm sorry, Chad. That's not a colloquialism. His name in the, in the fucking movie was Chad. You know, and it yeah. might as well have had Keenan Ivory Wayne just walk into frame, yell message, and walk off again. Let me, all right. We're, we're, we're talking too much about this. Let me, let me stop and just read the plot real quick. Again, spoilers, you've been warned. Noah, a young woman trying her hand at online dating, <laughs> trying her hand, has become, <laughs> um, has become, <laughs> has become increasingly... <laughs> <laughs> I am the great Conholio. Disillusion from my bunk hole. With dates due to the men she interacts with not having general decency. I can relate. One day at the supermarket, a man named Steve flirts with her and they exchange numbers. On their first date, the two quickly hit it off and have sex like you do. After several dates, Steve invites Noah for a weekend break away alone. Uh, weekend break away alone with him. Against the advice of her best friend, Molly, Noah agrees to the trip. Planning to travel early the following day, Noah spends the evening at Steve's luxury home. Later, the two share a cocktail, at which point Steve drugs Noah's drink and she falls unconscious. Noah wakes up in captivity, chained to the ground. And I know some of you gals like this. This was not her kink. Um, Steve, Steve explains that he is a butcher of human meat and that he harvests women's body parts and sells them to wealthy clients for consumption. Hey, Jason, did you notice there was a lot of subtext in this movie? Did you? Did you notice yeah. the subtext? Yes. Uh, I'm just I'm just glad it didn't show him beating his meat because we're beating, <laughs> we're beating their meat. Um, just beating know, any kind of... Well, he, no, he was beating meat at one point. He was tenderizing it, if you'll recall. Yeah. <laughs> he notes that he will keep her alive as long as possible in order to keep her meat fresh. Meat. Meaty. Mm. See, see, hold on. Uh, just real quick. I want to interject yeah. here. Okay. So, there's there's four women. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. 
uh, all hate mail, do not send to me because for what I'm about to say. But why did he get skinny women? If you, why don't you get a big girl? Get some thickness. You know, they they live longer. They've got more excess. You can get more out of them. You know, throw one big girl in there. But I mean, he had like I hear what you're saying. You want you want you want your cattle to be fattened up. But one of the things that the movie talks about was he goes for the women who he picks up on very quickly that don't have any social connections so that when they disappear, no one will come and find them. No one will miss them. That's not to say that I was going to say that doesn't say that there aren't there aren't larger women that fit that description. But the other, but the the other side of this is there is again, he's meaning a fetish. This wasn't just cannibalism. There was a fetishism going on here too. And again, the, the, the implication may have been that the fetishists like slender more, you know, Dude, when they know. meet these women, no, they was getting Polaroids. You could take a Polaroid of anybody, you know, and BBW is a fetish too, as beautiful women. Okay. Those beautiful I'm going to go with then it was a screenplay and directorial choice that we're only going to have hot chicks in this. I, I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. Well, hey, a big girl can be hot. Oh my God. <laughs> Why? Why you got why traditionally why you gotta, beautiful why women? Shame? I don't know. Oh my god! Why you gotta? Why you gotta? Why, why you gotta? Why you gotta shame people, Mark? Why? Uh, why? I'm man? not gonna let you gaslight me on my own podcast. I'm not gaslighting. You. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, I. This is 2022. This was not my people. movie. Why am I we being need... backed into a corner? I'm not the one. Who... Look, we if need. It <laughs> if it would have been me, it would have been like Noah's fucking ark. It would have been all kinds of women. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, you know, what's up? What's up? Why can't we be equal opportunity cannibalism? This has a cast. I'm like halfway through the plot <laughs> synopsis. This is a cast of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people. It had a budget of 20 million. I'm just saying the point that there was a point to this. It wasn't about well, how many different women can we chop up? Yeah, and and one girl didn't even have a leg to stand on. gotta get quicker on that um i'm gonna i I need you to like cue me or something so i can find the button real quick (laughs) that's what she said anyway um moving on (laughs) yeah he knows the button (laughs) steve allows noah to take a shower but she uses to try to escape prompting steve to surgically remove her buttocks as punishment later noah befriends another woman named penny also being held captive in an adjacent room meanwhile molly becomes consigned about Noah's disappearance and begins investigating with her friend Paul, a bartender who coincidentally served Noah and Steve drinks on their first date. Because all bartenders remember the people that's they served I, weeks yeah, later. That's, that's what I was going to point out. That, sure. That's one thing I had an issue. Yeah. Searching is a little, little forced. Searching online, Molly discovers Steve is actually a man named Brendan and is married to a woman named Anne who, with whom she he has children. <laughs> Believing he is having an affair, Molly visits Anne and informs her of her suspicions. During their conversation, Brendan arrives, and when confronted by Molly, denies any knowledge of Noah. As she leaves, Molly calls Noah's phone, which begins ringing in Brendan's pocket. Anne, revealed to be Brendan's accomplice, knocks Molly out unconscious. Hours later, Brendan invites Noah to dinner. After she offhandedly asks what human meat tastes like, he persuades her to taste a meal containing the meat. Disguised as spaghetti and meatballs, which she reluctantly does. After returning Noah to her cell, Brendan takes Molly away for harvesting. Sensing a connection with Noah, Brendan invites her to another dinner. 
providing her with a pink dress as a gift. Oh, it's, it's like pretty woman with cannibalism. Following dinner. And no ass. And she no had no ass. ass. She suffered from no ass at all. <laughs> Noah persuades Brendan to have sex with her, like you do, where she pretends to perform fellatio on him and instead bites off his testicles. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, Lorraine, Lorraine look, this, is, this is not as heavy handed as, as uh, um, God, what was it? Pretty monster? No, the one that was made for a best picture last year. Pretty, pretty woman. hang on, I'll figure it out. Um, what if you're, I know someone's listening, it's probably Robert. Robert, which, what, what, what am I thinking of? Pretty something or other. Um, with pretty the woman, pink. nope, <laughs> last year, buddy. Um, it's the one where you know, it's the woman that was like sexually assaulted who now is like trapping guys on dates. Um, like pretty smart woman or something like that. People listening to this going, it's this, you asshole. Um, anyway, but with Brendan in pursuit, Noah runs and helps Molly and Penny escape from their rooms. The three encounter Brendan in the kitchen and begin flirting, uh, fighting him, Oof. begin fighting him, during which Molly kicks him, knocking him out. They escape into the woods with Brendan pursuing them with a gun. They manage to attack him again with Noah taking the gun and shooting Brendan dead. Anne arrives at the house and finds Brendan's body. She encounters Noah in the woods and tries to strangle her, but Molly bludgeons her to death with a shovel. As she and Molly relax in a nearby tree, Noah receives a text from a man she went out with at the beginning of the film. A post-credit scene depicts five of Brendan's clients in a white room, seated at a table with bleeding human meat at the center. I'm going to let you start off. I'm just going to go ahead and say this is my favorite of these three. I love this movie. Really? Are you talking about Promising Young Woman? Yes, promising young woman. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. I, I, a little heavy-handed that movie. Good, Robert good, and I haven't even. Re- Thank you, Robert and I haven't even reviewed it, but we talked about it frequently over the past year. I, this this movie was was my second favorite. Uh, awesome. Because I I think uh, it kind of fell off in the third act for me. Um, yeah. I, I did like the the the. Um, the re- reincarnation of Zemo dancing uh, <laughs> on two occasions. Sure. Uh, Z- Zemo has much better dance moves than the Winter Soldier. Just throwing that out there. Uh, because they're, uh, that's the whitest dancing I've ever seen. And it's so close. And, and it's really how white people dance. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Batusi. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this, this movie, I, I really liked it. The first act, the first and second act, I love because it's like two separate movies. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, here we go. You know, love. You know, you could tell that he's a little creepy and a little clingy, right? And then, bam, he drugs her. Boom, title card, and you're like, the fuck did let's eat people? <laughs> and you're like, how, how did we go from A to B to Q? Yeah, the tonal whiplash <laughs> in this movie will will. <laughs> but it was good. It's so awesome, though. Yeah, like I, I was telling somebody the other night how over the last year I, you know, partially spurred on by Alexis, partially just remembering I used to be a different person. Um, how much I love like small independent movies. Like I love the Godzilla and Marvel movies too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm like complain about the fans of those movies, but I. But I also like to make room in my life for stuff like Fresh. And Fresh is so off the beaten path and so tonally weird that I, I just loved it. I love the fact that, like, 
this didn't have to this didn't do any of the things you have to do to get an audience it just is the film they wanted to make good bad or indifferent which i i give high praise for like please me tell your story and make your film yeah me and amber watched this together and amber's a a, a film snob um mm -hmm. Was this another She's, one where she was like, what the fuck is Mark making you watch? Why does he make you watch No, this? No, she had, when the reveal came, she mm -hmm. she had to say, me and her both went, what the fuck? And <laughs> it was like, and we was like, okay. And so we're, you know, then we become like the fucking Hardy Boys trying to figure shit out. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, where is this going? Okay, there's HelloFresh boxes. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a delivery man. You know, is he working for the mob? Is he like, you know, like... Is this like is this like a fucked up hostile type movie mm -hmm. where like you know you got the wealthy and you know you see like these little pieces, but then where I think it fell off for me is when it's the three women fighting him mm -hmm. and like you know oh boy just had his dick bit off, but he is not like selling it at all. Mm -hmm. Like it concerned me like. Dude, were you hung like a church mouse so bad that you know your dick missing does not bother you? I will grant you that it beca he becomes kind of a horror monster at the end. Like he stopped being yeah. a weirdo, creepy guy, you know, who's interesting and like the way this isn't. I made I I, I said saw before, I, and I was kind of making fun of it, but like he doesn't come across to me as if he's compelled by some sort of mental illness to do this or that it's even a kink he discovered a need in the market and yeah, proceeded and to use his skills he already had to fill that need this is a business he's running yeah with his wife right and you're like and i think i thought the wife reveal was pretty interesting to mm. like know that she was in on it like right because you know you had that you had that because little, all women hate each other, don't you understand? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, um, but the, but no, what what it is is because you the wife being involved simply because it's Stockholm, mm -hmm. it's like Stockholm syndrome because right. you found out that she was one of the victims that he cut her leg off, right? And like she was one of his first victims, and they ended up and it ended up becoming like a Stockholm. That was a really interesting twist for me to find out that like she was involved after being a victim, right? And you see that, and it's kind of you know you compare it to Saul. It's kind of like the Amanda arc in Saul. Like she was one of the victims in part two. She's uh, approach. You know, you see her. You see her as a thing, and then you come to find out like she's the protege and one of the proteges. And you know, you see that arc like her. This was a little bit more rushed. But you see that she was a victim, and they built a life together, and now it's like insane because you don't know how long this has been going on, and that's the crazy part. And it just it is one of those indie films. I, I'm a good indie film guy, mm -hmm. which thanks to you because you get me off the beaty path on some of the films we review. You know, good, bad, indifferent, you know, we run the range uh, in movies review. And this is one of those films that, like, I really enjoyed more than what I I should have. Mm -hmm. And it's really nice to not see a big blockbuster. 
But to have those twists, have those twists, turns, and everything, and you're like, and it actually brought me into the movie to enjoy it a hundred times better than I should. So it's it's a it's weird how this was sold to people, you know, because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just I'm looking at like reception, and it's like the um. The Rotten Tomatoes, the, the critical review was eighty-one uh, percent with one hundred eighty critics, uh, seven out of ten. The uh, website's consensus reads as gripping as it is upsetting. Fresh makes a provocative meal out of the horror of modern dating. Oh God! And and I I think that bears some discussion because like it starts off and the guy she's meeting is sort of you know is cognitively dissonant douchebag, but yeah. isn't he not? Is he not the modern young man? Like, I feel like there's more of him out there than not. And and it, that is part of what the movie is talking to is that, you know, you want to meet a nice, considerate, chivalrous guy. And we're just not making a lot of those guys anymore for one reason or another. It seems to be the film's perspective. Yeah. And it's it's crazy because you have that. You have that stark contrast, uh, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, of of men. You have like mine, your generation. Mm-hmm. You have this generation, and I think there's a vast void of what Couple. masculinity and toxic masculinity. A couple years ago, chance. I'm sitting. I'm sitting at the. I'm sitting at work, and I'm listening to these three women talk about dating. And the amount of dick pics they get sent. Unsolicited. Unsolicited, Jason Teasley. It is one thing when you put in an order and receive your plate of dick pics. That's fine. That's between you and the people sending them. And I have no problem with that. I'm not here to kink shame. It is the unconsented, unsolicited one that was the topic of discussion of that day. And how men... And it was funny because the women's perspective on it was like, what is it that the women that they think the women are going to think when they send out their dick? Like, here's my hog. Does is this not enticing to you? This is not. Should this not be enough for you to meet me and want to have a relationship of some kind? And the women are like, no. I mean, some of them look nice, I suppose. This is them saying this. Some I, of them I look mean, nice, I suppose. Some of them not so much. In any case, this is not going to be the thing that gets us started on a date. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I've, I've never, I've never got a relationship out of a dick pic. Okay. It, of all the dick pics you've sent, that did not lead to then having no, a nice the, romantic date. All, all the dick pics I've got, uh, <laughs> I've not, I've not ended up having a nice romantic uh, day, or even a Netflix and chill. I mean, right. You know, it it just hasn't resulted in that. Okay. I mean, I understand. You know, it happens. I haven't either. Uh, I have not received a dick pic and gone. I'm going to need you to come over right now. Right now. Well, well, we won't talk about the one I sent you that, you know, led to, <laughs> led, led to our wide brim hats and, and um, uh, pimp walks that we're going to be doing. Everything has doing to be talked Orleans. about on, not everything has to be talked about on the podcast. Well, Some things just need to stay between me and you. Anyway, well, my point being, like. Well, there's, if, not, there's, there's not six inches for Jesus between us. I'm going to guarantee that. So, anywho. <laughs> <laughs> Like within minutes of the film starting, she's on a dating app and, you know, she's scrolling through pictures because that is what you do. And, you know, and she's talking with different guys because that is what you do. So much of dating now 
is apps and chats and pictures. And within seconds of like talking to a guy, she gets a dick pic and it's like, look, you know, and you talk, I, look, while I have been married 14 years, I have talked to a lot of people in the dating pool throughout the jobs that I've had, um, met a lot of single ladies, just being in the mental health and medical field and you know, a lot of nurses, but nurses, mostly women. And they talk and they pretty, they talk pretty openly about, um, what a nightmare dating can be sometimes because you get chads, you know, who, who are saying things like, shouldn't you dress hotter? And, oh no, I, I, my, I dipped my scarf in the, in the Szechuan and I need, yeah. I need lemon water now, woman. Yeah. Right. You know, just utterly disrespectful and all of that stuff. But like, <laughs> And then when she rejects, like he's not being nice to her, and she then rejects him fairly nicely about it. Like, like, nah, I don't think this is gonna work out between us. You know, please go on and die in the manner you see fit. And he calls her a cunt. And, <laughs> and like, feel like we go from zero to a hundred in a lot of situations. I'm wondering whatever happened to a nice breezy forty-five miles an hour between people. It's not there anymore. The this the society the society and landscape of dating has changed drastically. Um, it's it's so funny. We talk, we talk about Twitter. You know, like everyone goes from zero to a thousand on Twitter. People are doing that in real life, apparently, too. Yeah, I mean, you, you're it's, and I had a talk. I had a talk with a um, one of my friends. This has been several years ago, um, and you know we we're just really good friends to the point where we share everything, no matter what details it is. And she was like, yeah, um, I was on Tinder and, uh, I matched with a guy. I really, uh, I really thought he was nice. And I got a, Hey, how are you? I know you from somewhere. And the immediate response was a dick pic. And I was, and she, <laughs> and she said, she said, I'm sorry. I'm not into child pornography. And he blocked her. <laughs> Sorry. And and she was like, she's like, is that what guys do now? I said, obviously. She's like, she's like, what makes a guy think that, you know, just hey, look at my dick. It's going to mean I want to marry you. Okay. So said, I think I'm gonna go. Said, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up from one from the. I'm gonna stand up for dick pics just this one way. I will. I will now switch roles. Are you Are you gonna be? And I will be the. A... <laughs> I will be the Lorax, and I will speak for the dick pics. You're erecting, okay. you're erecting the the stand for dick pics. Okay. So, dating as I have, as it has been explained to me by several people out there doing it is a numbers game. Okay, especially because you're interacting with people through apps, and you know, and that and that is about accumulating as many interactions via picture as possible. That being said, I think the dick pic guys are searching through a sea of women for the one woman who go who will respond positively to the dick pic because that is about all they're interested in. So these guys are not really looking for relationships. They're going, I want to find the whores. And it's hard to tell who the whore is now. So the way that they're baiting the whore is with dick pic. Like a worm on a hook, Jason Teasley. A worm on a hook. And I would... I would. I will I will see that and raise you one going. Okay. I've, I had a friend tell me, 
out of every hundred dick pics that may get sent, one one person may say yes, and that's all that matters. That is my point. That is my point. So, and it, it's you know, and that's the society that people think that is acceptable now, and that's weird. God, and I have a daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I have a mopey tween, and I'm sure this is. I'm sure she's in for a life of. God, I hope not, but I, yeah. we're talking about it. It's going to happen. They ain't special. Um, so anyway, back to fresh. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, that, that all relates to the first 30 minutes of the movie, though, is that what drives her into this guy's arms is just how I'm like you don't get too much time with it. It's just the one interaction with Chad and the dick pic. And that's kind of all there is. And then you're and then you're into him meeting her and then they have to have a relationship. And then we have to get to the cannibalism. So but I, I did think that was interesting um and then you know we talk a lot about the objectification of women uh sexualization of women sexual objectification of women throughout the throughout the culture and does this movie not speak to that but in a very almost literal sense like you women are not people you are cattle to be mutilated and sold and eaten you know like you you know it's funny i I joke about being in podcasting and like, I think I have interesting conversations with people. I think that these are entertaining. It's why I keep doing them. I certainly enjoy making them, but I think if people gave them a chance, they would enjoy listening to me and other people talk, me and you talk. And what gets me the most interactions is sometimes the most innocuous, non-creative nonsense that I throw out there just to create content. Like a lot of my TikToks, you know, it's me like the I did a TikTok that got a huge response, and it's me giving another guy the finger. Yeah, and, <laughs> you know, and like that. Well, five thousand views on TikTok, which for me is a, is quite a lot, you know. But then it's like I have this like deep, meaningful conversation about the plight of the black man vis-a-vis Spike Lee movies. You know, twenty listens, like what the fuck, and I, and I find myself going, but I'm smart. Why won't people appreciate me for my brains? Said every woman ever. You know? Well, and that's what this movie is talking about. Well, let's point let's point something out. Um, it, it's a running joke in our chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, su- superhuman, who <laughs> um, superhuman, uh, and look at the shit he does, and look at the popularity right. and the views. Oh yeah, thousands and thousands and thousands of so, him jumping onto something and going my yeah. ass. My and, ass, don't you understand? And, and hurting himself. Yeah. And drinking hot sauce and running into refrigerators <laughs> and shit. And and this kid is popular. He's yeah. maybe mentally unstable. And He's so popular. Some... Chris Bailey tried to get him on one of our podcasts. <laughs> He's too big for us. He's not coming I, on our rinky ding podcast. The guy drinking hot sauce and running into light tubes is too big for us. Yeah. I, I just wonder how Chris Bailey got a hold of him. Chris Bailey, that is his talent. Other, uh, other than other than incessant lectures on nostalgia, his other one is he actually like gets people to come on shows and stuff, but not superhuman. I, 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 I had I've had tried to get a celebrity on a show and he wanted like four grand. Um, but anyway, uh, but anyway, fresh. <laughs> yes, so, so fresh. Um, I, just to wrap up, because we got to move on to this next shitty movie. Uh, I really, I love this. I love the tonal change in it. I love the acting. I've, I've never seen this one actress before. Uh, Daisy Edgar Jones. I'm just kind of looking and see what she did. I thought she was great in this. You know, as somebody who 
just kind of you know had has to play this girl sort of su- suffering the slings and arrows of the modern dating world and then cut up for cannibalism i, I thought you did a good job here um yeah i've never seen her before because she's not been in anything i've ever watched um so she's in the only other movie she's done that's currently out is pond life which came out in 2018 and she's and a forthcoming movie this year called uh, Where the Crawdads Sing, which we are not going to be reviewing unless Robert makes me. Um, she's done some television. She did Cold Feet. Uh, she did Silent Witness, Gentleman Jack, War of the Worlds, the television show, and uh, Normal People. So, um, and then she's coming. She's got something coming up called Under the Banner of Heaven, which I think is on one of the streaming services. Shitty one. It's fine. She's been nominated for normal people. Apparently, that's the big role that got that's that's her big role. She was nominated for a bunch of different uh, awards like Golden Globes and BAFTAs and British Academy Television Awards, etc. So anyway, I think she's great in this. Um, I think you know she's somebody that you don't necessarily want to get you know seen carved up into meat. Um, you want to see her live through the night. Sebastian Stan does a really great job of being somewhat disconnected from what he it's so funny because like he has to play a guy who falls in love with a girl whose ass he's going to carve off yeah uh, i mean as far as directorial choices and motivations and whatnot i feel like that's a lot i i think he misunderstood when she said eat my ass what she really meant uh, i was ready for it that time <laughs> well uh and, and he said i'm going to eat you later and you know in the literal sense, but uh, yeah, he walks that really thin line of mm-hmm. charming, but eerily creepy. Yeah, and he he also doesn't play. At no point does he play the character like a madman, which I liked. Like this was all very straightforward. It's like I am here to carve up women because you are a commodity. That is what I do. I'm not particularly emotionally moved by it one way or the other. I am not compelled. I am not making a political or artistic statement. I am trying to pay a mortgage. And he's disconnected. And I think that's what, I think the disconnection he has of what he's doing is Mm -hmm. what I enjoyed about this movie because it's like there's no rhyme, no reason other than I got to pay bills. I want to make money. Yep. I'll tell you what, Jason, I wish the, the one thing about this movie that I wish was a little bit better was the music. And do you know a place where you can get good music to listen to for your romance cannibalism movie? Such as Baby Got Back? Where? <laughs> you know, my <laughs> anaconda does no, not want none. Unless, unless they got, got buns. buns. Which she had a lot. Mustard on. I like mustard on my buns. I don't like... I, I don't like mustard on my buns. No, you're you're no. ketchup and relish guy. No, I don't like ketchup and relish. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a strictly bun. You just raw dog it. Hot, hot dog, bun, chili mustard, onion slaw. Chili mustard. Okay, you got a little specific on me there. Um, yes, for those of you whose anaconda does want some, even with the bun, uh, we are giving away a free 30 day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. Yes, sir, Bob. Um, the link is getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network. Again, it's getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network for your free 30-day trial of Amazon Music Unlimited. It's over 700 million songs on the service. If you can't find it, it just don't exist, or it's the Randy Savage album, rap album. One of the two. Um, and if you like it, you can keep it. You pay the 30, you pay the monthly fee, which is nominal to uh, Spotify or 
uh, Apple Music. Uh, and if you don't, you can cancel. No fuss, no must, no contracts, no pains in the butt. Our final film sucks. Um, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. This is This so is bad. No Exit, uh, which was directed by Damien Power, who also does not have a Wikipedia page. Um, it is based on the 2017 novel of the same name by Taylor Adams. It stars a bunch of people I've never heard of and Danny Ramirez and Dennis Haysbert. It came out February 25th, 2022, um, and is currently available on Hulu. Um, it stars Havana Rose Lou as a recovering drug addict who discovers a kidnapping in progress while stranded at a rest stop during the blizzard. Danny Ramirez, blah, 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 blah. um, Scooby Doo, and Loki. Yeah, um, it has received received mixed reviews from critics who categorize it as a popcorn movie. I wouldn't even go that far. It's not uh, even a juicy pop movie. Yeah, this is so. This has got on Metacritic. This is fifty four out of a hundred. Um, How did man. they get even score? Uh, and Rotten Tomatoes gave it a fifty seven. Yeah, this. This my here's my thought. Generous. Here's my thought about this. My it was over, and I was telling somebody about it, and I was like, I like this movie better when it was the Hateful Eight. You know, it's it's people snowed in at a lodge. And then okay. polarity ensues. Well, let's go. Let's go ahead and pick this. There is six in, less than four inches of snow on the ground, and there's a Jeep Wrangler in the parking lot that that would definitely be able to get around anywhere I need to go. Um, that that's the biggest. That took me out of the movie instantly. Secondly, the the fact that this had such a really good premise mm-hmm. and it, it had a great plot. The execution was so piss poor that I wanted to pour bleach into my eyes just to make me forget. Yeah, but we, we both want to be done with this. We talked about the two movies that needed a good long discussion. Let's just get through this. Yeah. Let's just lay back and think of England. Recovering drug addict uh, Darby Thorne learns that her mother is in the hospital. She escapes rehab to drive to Salt Lake City. Well, stopped in the middle of the road, Corporal Ron Hill tells her that the interstate is closed because of a developing blizzard. She agrees to stay overnight at a local visitor center. The only people inside are Ash, Lars, a married couple, Ed, and Sandy. Darby goes outside to look for a signal and ends up discovering a kidnapped girl in a van belonging to one of the people inside. Playing around to bullshit, Darby uses her knowledge of the van's license plate to question the others and deduce that Lars is the kidnapper. <clears throat> she goes to the bathroom. She goes to the, she goes to the bathroom and uses a hole in the wall to go back outside. Darby breaks into the van and talks to the girl, promising to save her. Unaware of her presence, Lars enters the van and reveals the girl's name to be Jay. Inside, Ed grows suspicious of Lars' strange behavior as Lars exits the van to bring Jay home some food. Darby goes back inside the cabin through the hole in the wall. Jay has Addison's disease, which can cause an adrenaline overdose if she becomes too stressed. In the bathroom, Darby tells Ash about Jay. Ash agrees to help her. When Darby goes outside, however, Ash reveals that he is Lars' brother and an accomplice to the kidnapping. Ash takes Darby back inside and threatens to kill her if she informs Ed and Sandy about Jay. Outside, <laughs> Jay cuts herself free and runs into the woods. In the See, bathroom, the, this is so bad. You're falling. You're you're falling asleep doing the synopsis. Darby attacks Ash, but he gains the upper hand. Lars goes through the hole in the wall. Take a drink every time I say hole in the wall, and stops his brother from strangling Darby. In the struggle, in the heights, Darby takes Ash's keys. As Lars, Ash, and Lars force Darby to help them look for Jay. They reveal that they are transporting her to Uncle Kenny, who runs a human trafficking ring like you do. Darby uses a flashlight to blind the kidnappers and runs away. Ash fires his fire alarm, alerting Ed and Sandy. Jay faints after Ed and Sandy find her. 
Darby goes inside the cabin and tells Ed and Sandy about the kidnappers. After locking the entrance, Ed negotiates with Ash and Lars. He promises to give them the car keys if they give Jay the medicine she needs to survive. As Darby hides the keys, Ash and Lars cover the cabin in gasoline. Jay wakes up and identifies Sandy as her maid. A flashback reveals that Sandy helped Ash and Lars take Jay from her home. She agreed to meet with the kidnappers to give them Jay's medicine. In the present, Sandy lets Ash and Lars inside. After learning that Darby is the only person who knows where the keys are, Ash kills uh, Ed and Sandy and uses a nail gun to staple Darby to a wall. Her phone reveal- receives a text message. Ash reads it and informs her that her mother passed away. Another text reveals that Corporal Ron is on his way to the cabin. When Ash threatens to hurt Jay, Darby reveals the key's whereabouts. Ash gives his gun to Lars before leaving to search for the keys. Darby tells Jay to turn off the lights. Darby snarts cocaine. Sorry, Darby snorts cocaine, like you do, to give herself the strength to pull the nail out of her hand. With Lars distracted, she takes the gun and Ash returns. After After Ash accidentally shoots her and kills her brother in the head with a nail gun, Darby and Jay run outside to make their escape. Ash punctures their vehicle and lights the cabin on fire. After Corporal Ron arrives, Darby shoots Ash while Ron shoots Darby. Ash takes her weapon and shoots Ron dead. As he prepares to kill Darby, she uses a screwdriver to puncture his neck, painfully killing him. Darby uses Ron's radio to call for help. In a flash forward, Darby's sister, Devin, visits her in rehab. All right. I. And that's it, folks. Have a good night. (laughs) Yeah, some movies have something to say. They have a perspective. And some movies are just a story that they're telling. You either like the story, you don't. You either have compelling performances and good actors, or you don't. Um, Dennis Haysbert is good. The woman who plays, I think, Sandy is her name. Uh, She's okay. Everybody else in this is just kind of either blah or terrible. And it's just like, again, like The Hateful Eight, which is people, you know, trapped in a, you know, in a setting, snowed in, had something to yeah. say about race relations and whatnot. They, you know, they had had a lot of great performances and just an A list cast. Here, this is ju- this is supposed to be like a thriller, and I don't care about any of these people or what they're doing. They have nothing of value to say. It's a bland looking movie, and the action is subpar, and there's just nothing to it. It's like one of these where. I suppose this would entertain someone if they don't think about film and they're just looking for very slight entertainment. I'm sure if I say, if I say, Hey, I watched no exit on Hulu. Oh, I saw it too. I thought it was good because to most people good is it kept my interest for the entire 90 minute runtime. Uh, I'm looking for, not for me. I am looking for something a little deeper. This is a puddle. This is the epitome of convenience plot. Um, yeah. The, the hole in the wall, the, like, there are so many things that convince, oh, well, magically, how, how do you all end up at the same rest area in a, it, it's just too much of a convenience, and that really, that and the fact that I didn't care about anybody in this movie, like you said, there's nobody, I mean, this movie was so I'm trying to think of the word shallow, mm-hmm. devoid, devoid of emotion because there was no, in no time that I think there's legitimate peril of these characters. It's like, okay, somebody, 
everybody die and I'll be happy. <laughs> just, just the little kid. The little kid could die and it didn't bother me. The little kid was in trouble. It didn't bother me. It's like, okay, let's have the ending of the mist and I'll be happy. Yeah, where everybody dies. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot else to say about this. I don't want to. I think we spent the majority yeah. of the show talking about the good movies, and this one, I needed a third movie. This one was fairly recent. Okay. Our, don't, my, go, my... don't go see it. Don't waste your time. <laughs> uh, don't blame us if you do watch it. And good night. Good. I'm, more, I'm, I'm good with that. All right. Um, tomorrow, we have two more streaming movies. Uh, another DMU Hollywood split. Um, Deep Water from Hulu, which was supposed to be in theaters, but it got pulled and now uh, and now on Hulu. So it's Ben Affleck and um, the other cutie patootie whose name I really want to see this. this. Time. Yeah, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about it tomorrow. I'm actually going to watch it tomorrow. And then Windfall, currently on Netflix. Um, up in the archive right now, Jason's show, it was a little late, uh, debuted Thursday on his feed. It just went up on ours today. I was busy this weekend. Um, we've got two things going on this week. We've got the lead into WrestleMania, but we've also got Morbius coming out Friday. So we got like half wrestling and half vampire shit going on this week. Uh, we have two Everyone Loves the Bad Guys, one dedicated to vampires in film and television, and the other that just focuses on Dracula. Uh, the Dracula show will be up tomorrow, as will our recording of Deepwater and Windfall. We've got a trivia show uh, that's got, that focuses on wrestling. My wife was the scorekeeper on that one, so that's a fun show to listen to because she knew her role and she played it well. Jesse's also great. He had great wrestling questions, and we had a stellar, just all-star uh, cast of contestants. We had Pat Mullen, who's uh, got a memory like an elephant and has a lot of wrestling detail. Gavin Napier, who um, oh, you know, wow. stopped watching wrestling after uh, after 1985, we think, but he even <laughs> he did well. I think he ended up uh, he ended up doing very well. Um, we had Leonard Hayhurst, who has a podcast, and we have Bill Yankovy, whose podcast is actually on our network, That Wrestling Show, and he will be joining me Friday night to do a alternative commentary for Ring of Honor Super Excuse me, Supercard of Honor, um, and that kicks off Wrestling Week, which uh, continues with our review of Randy Savage Be a Man on the Metal Hammer of Doom. Yes. Uh, uh, Thursday we have Chapter Nine. Finally, 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 Marvin Hagler, Marvin Hagler, Marvin Hagler. We are uh, going to be talking about Marvin Hagler versus Sugar Ray Leonard. Finally, Marvin Hagler gets his due. On Friday, as we said, we have the Supercard of Honor. And we have two live streams for you on Saturday. First, um, we also have uh, Robert's Everyone Loves a Bad Guy series on wrestling through the decades. Chapter one is the 80s boom that, that airs Friday. Chapter two is the Attitude Era that airs Saturday. Sunday is Ruthless Aggression. And then the finale, um, when it was recorded, was in 2014. So that's as far as it went. And that'll be Monday. We'll also have... Uh, We'll also have live streams of NXT Stand and Deliver and WrestleMania's Night 1 and 2. And then uh, a week from Tuesday, we'll be reviewing Morbius. Well, you'll also, hey, there's not just WWE this weekend. You know, all the indie shows are coming out uh, and having and having some fun there in Dallas surrounding WrestleMania. One of them is Effie's Big Gay Brunch. But we will also go back to June of last year. The fuck? Uh, of a show that I really wanted to watch, but I didn't have um, independent wrestling television at the time. Uh, Pro uh, Pro Wrestling Underground. No, No Peace Underground is the name of the company. No Peace Underground, Fear the Gay Agenda, featuring a main event between Paro 
and the Effie, the last daddy standing. What? I, Jason Teasley, am an ally of the LGBTQ community, sir, and I am supporting Effie in his endeavor to normalize homosexuality in wrestling. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Glad you approve. So, yes. Come listen to us talk about Effie's Big Gay Brunch 2022 taking place in Dallas, Texas this week. And then stay for our review of The Last Daddy Standing. Which my son, I watched this with my son earlier today because we like to watch the death oh match my together. God. And he was like, why do they call each other daddy? Are they parents? I was like, Ugh. well, let me expe- explain colloquialisms amongst men uh-huh. and women who are affectionate with one another, sir. I had to explain to him why gay people call each other daddy. And gay men, rather. Oh God! He is gonna learn. He is gonna know a lot by the time he gets to college. With me as his father, a sage. He's gonna know. He's gonna know a a lot by the time he gets to like middle school. (laughs) (laughs) Why was your son suspended? I made someone call him daddy. We don't know why. Because because he walked in and said Wu Tang ain't nothing to fuck with. And they like flipped the desk over. (laughs) My dad said it was okay. All right. Um, of my terrible parenting. Um. (laughs) So, and then, like I said, Tuesday is our review of Morbius. Uh, also, I don't know if this is going to do as well as our Hotel Transylvania 2 review had done, but uh, another re-air of another animated show that we that we reviewed in the yesteryear, myself and Robert Winfrey reviewed the Angry Birds movie because we went through this slew of shows where Shit. I was like, I have to take my kids to a movie, so you have to review it, Single Man in Utah. And Robert, uh, at which point I think is I think is how I got the cancer is he started like needling a voodoo doll. I think so. I think so. Yeah, that's my that's that's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. Hey, did you know baseball starts uh, next week? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, uh, opening day is the seventh, and we are celebrating here on the uh, Rattling Broadcasting Network with a pair of old Long Road to Ruins that deal in baseball. First, on April sixth, we'll be re-airing the Bear News Bears trilogy review that we did, and then on the seventh, on actual opening day. We will be re-airing our Major League Trilogy review. So that's oh, what we got uh, coming up. And hey, if you like Sebastian Stan, like I know you do, especially after our review of Fresh, check out uh, myself, Jesse, and Alexis reviewing Pam and Tommy currently on Hulu. Come as we discuss why, why in did depth. You have to say come? Why did come, you have to say come and listen to us discuss at length Tommy Lee talking to his penis. Why did you have to say come? You made this awkward now. Oh, th- that now it's awkward. All right, <laughs> you second and shorty, go, go go do your plugs. Uh yeah, you can find me when I'm not powwowing around with Mark here on W2M over on the second and short podcast where me and my host Tyler Louder review Louder. everything and <laughs> review uh everything fantasy football, dynasty football, um, and it's fun. Uh, we have a lot. A lot of fun over there. Uh, we talk a lot of shit to each other, which is really refreshing because, you know, I don't talk shit to anybody ever. Uh, so, yeah, go over there and check us out. Uh, meet uh, If you're a fancy football fanatic, uh, definitely go over, comment, like, subscribe, leave a review. Just say hi. It, we, we like interacting with our people. We're on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I think we send smoke signals up from uh, South Dakota, um, everything. So, yeah, definitely go check us out there. Hey, uh, one more quick plug. Jason no. will be back April 19th. Um, 
for the DMU Hollywood for Fantastic Beasts, the sequel to Dumbledore. And we'll have a first-time guest on here, Jason, dragging his poor wife into this. Actually, I am not dragging my poor wife. My poor wife suggested that she watch this because she is a Harry Potter fanatic, um, and she loves the first two movies. Uh, and this was an opportunity that she actually enjoys doing podcasts with Mark and wanted to do a show with you. So she was the one that suggested it, uh, that me and her join you. Okay. Well, hopefully she won't be like Liz and bail out of everyone I've invited her to. Uh, no, because I, I'm in the other room and I'll be like, damn it, you get on this fucking podcast now or I will beat you like a red-headed stepchild. Yeah. Love you. Like, you better get on this podcast or Mark will cut my shows. I know he will. <laughs> that's, that's, you better that's, you better get on here or I'm going to have to fucking re, re, uh, review Nerdland 2. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for joining us here on this triple feature. For Jason Teasley, I'm Mark Rattledge. Be well, be safe, and behave.